I want to deliver a message to you today entitled, When the Gap Stander Becomes the Gap. Furrowed eyebrows all over the place. What is that supposed to mean? Uh, let me give credit where credit is due. This message is inspired by a message that was delivered by Reverend Zach Neese out of the Gateway Church over in Houston, Texas, I believe it is. And so it was the inspiration behind this. If you don't know who Zach Neese is, he is a, one of the associate pastors there, worship directors there, uh, a songwriter from way back. I, I, we may even do a song or two of his here at this church. Huh? In fact, we got one slated for uh, calling them back up in the altar. That's a, that's a Zach Neese tune, isn't it? How fitting. That's awesome. So when the gap stander becomes the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, this statement is written. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I have found no one. But I found no one. All around us are suffering people. There are people that are hurting not to give a plug back to uh, Gratiot County Hope House, but those who don't even have a place to live. People are hopeless. People are destitute uh, of any possibility that anything's ever going to happen good to them. I mean, they've gotten only one bad hand after the next. Good people, in fact, are uh, so down and out with the idea that nothing is going for them, that they're actually taking their lives, suicide is on the increase. And I wonder, I wonder who is going to stand in the gap for the lost, those who do not know Jesus. I wonder who's going to stand in the gap for those that are brokenhearted, those that are depressed and distressed. Who's going to stand in the gap for the hopeless, the destitute, those who can't see a bright future for tomorrow? And then, of course, the question uh, arises, who are the gap standers? And i got to follow it up with, where are the gap standers? Well, the word gap here in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, is from a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word is peretz, P-E-R-E-T-S, and it means breach, gap, or broken wall. There are breaches, gaps, and broken walls in the lives of our friends. There are breaches, gaps, and broken walls in the lives of our family, those closest to us, those right in our, even in our immediate family, our co-workers, breaches, gaps, broken walls in family, co-workers, and friends that cause those people to feel separated from God. They don't feel like they have any possibility for a bright future or a good outlook upon tomorrow. They're alone. They're hurting. Come on, we all know people like this. It's not just something we see on the news that's completely detached from us. We find, in fact, in many cases, and even if they don't know it, most of these people are just wishing someone would reach out and give them a glimmer of hope, would just give them a word or something that says, maybe things are turning for me, maybe things are going to be different, to help them find an answer. So what a pitiful thing this verse is, if you think about it, what a pitiful thing it is for the Lord to look everywhere for just one person to stand in the gap, and he couldn't even find one. What a pitiful, sad statement. What a sad thing. 
I pray that that can't be said for St. Louis. I pray that that cannot be said for Gratiot County. I pray that that cannot be said for Resurrection Life Church, that the Lord would look at this body of believers, his sons and daughters, and say, I looked for just one of those happy churchgoers to stand in the gap, and I couldn't even find one. How many would agree that'd be a sad statement over our, our, our work? Amen. So then, again, the question, where are the gap standers, and who are they? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, it says this, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled to himself, excuse me, has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and look at here, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, reconciliation Nice word, not a word we use every day. We may use the word reconcile. But the word comes from the Greek word katalage, katalage, or however that's pronounced, katalage, which means to restore or to follow that up, to make an adjustment that brings restoration. So we, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are now called, according to the Holy Scriptures, ministers of reconciliation. Those who help make an adjustment in someone's life so as to help them find restoration. The same passage in the New Living Translation says, God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. Did you hear that? See, we like to come sit in our cushy chairs in the church and just leave everything up to God. And God says, that, that's all fine and well, but I've assigned you with a number of things scripturally. And one of, us, it, one, of it, one of those things is that we, as believers in Jesus Christ, are the ministers that help reconcile people to relationship with the Father. That's a part of our responsibility as Christians. We love our four walls. We love our church. We love to come to church. We love to have fun together. We love to go to the cafe. We love to hear the worship. We just love all that we do in church. But then when we get out of here, are we really ministers, agents of reconciliation to help people have a restored relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we just saying, hey, I'll pray for you? So yeah, this message will be a challenging message today for all of us. So that's right. That's what I'm saying we are the gap standers. Scripturally, it's us. God has given us the task of helping people have a restored faith in God. That your assignment, that's my assignment. He's given us the task to stand in the gap so that others may have a restored relationship with God. The problem is, is that many of us have become the gap instead of being the gap stander. How does this happen? How is it that you, you end up being the gap instead of the gap standard? How is it that we have become the gap instead of the gap standard? Well, the best picture I can give you of this, and I think I bypassed number one, didn't I? Number one, you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, I'll do my best to keep up with my notes, but you all just do your best to listen fast and keep up with me this morning. Would that be all right? Number two, uh, the best picture that I can give you of a gap stander is someone who
who reaches up to heaven, reaches toward God, and at the same time reaches down to earth and, and bringing or bridging the gap, bridging the gap in order to help people find restoration, deliverance, and healing, and a restored relationship with the Father. There's one of the best pictures. You and I reaching to the Father and reaching down to the destitute and in some way, shape, or manner being the, the connection point that helps people find a restored relationship with the Father. But what has happened for many of us is that we've become like this. Or, and now we are we're great church attenders, great Christians, but we've become the gap in the overall scheme of things and the big picture of what the Lord is expecting us as his children to do is to help people find relationships uh, relationship with the Lord. And I think it's in this imagery, as I said, that we can see how we can become the gap. So we've identified who the gap standards are. We've identified what that looks like. Why don't we identify what we can do about it? Can you say amen? amen. Well, in order that, to answer this question, I want us to look at a fantastic story that's in the book of Matthew, chapter 21. You're certainly welcome to turn there if you like. It's the story of where Jesus was going to the temple, which was his practice regularly to go to the temple. Uh, and this was a, an era in which everything in the temple was quite corrupt, in fact. When it came time for the high ceremonies or the festivals like uh, atonement, people would come with uh, their lambs or their turtle doves or whatever else that they'd have, and they would have spent good money uh, buying the very best or raising the very, very best to bring to the atonement. And they get inside of the temple, and inside the temple were all of these people set up with tables. They were called the tables of money changers. And these people would come and bring their excellent livestock to uh, these people running the money, changer, running money changer tables. And then they would uh, take that nice, pristine animal for an overpriced payment and then replace it with one that was diseased or injured in some way, shape, or manner. It was a very corrupt system within the temple during the days of Jesus. Jesus had, had just about had enough of this picture during the festivals. And so we know the picture is that he sat outside of the uh, temple and he began to braid together a, a, a cat of nine tails, a whip, because he had some ideas in mind about he was, what he was fixing to do once he went inside. And so we kind of pick up the story now in verse 12 through 14 where it says, Then Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Great follow-up sentence, which doesn't seem to fit, but if you'll get the overall picture by the end of this ser sermon, you will. It says, then the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. That, that word then means it wasn't happening so much before. Now, we can read this passage of Scripture and we have uh, paintings of Jesus and what Jesus may look like and... <laughs> and, 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 you know, we, 
you got to know as Gentile, as gentle, as compassionate, as merciful as Jesus was, he did not go in to do this assignment from the Father in heaven as some Gentile gentleman, uh, 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 I just better you know, soft shoe my way around this. The other side of the coin is, it, is don't ever think for a minute that Jesus lost his cool. He did not lose his cool. He said, in fact, I only do what I see the Father do, and I only say what I hear the Father say. So while he was sitting outside braiding this whip together, he was just listening to what the Father was saying. He was only doing what the Father had told him to do. And in that setting, I don't think he came over and he just went, you know, you know, dude, uh, you're really doing the wrong thing. You know, could you get up so I can push your chair over? Or excuse me, gather up your stuff because I'm about to turn this table over. I think it was a pretty amazing scene in the temple that day that had to have freaked everybody out. Jesus kicking over tables. And I I really do believe that he had the vocal range to say, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. I don't think there was anything soft shoe about what Jesus was doing in that setting. So you all know the story. You can see the picture of Jesus going into the temple with a whip in hand, kicking over tables, clearing tables, clearing the temple, kicking over chairs. I got a feeling there was a few people still sitting in those chairs. (laughs) Because all of these things stood in the way of the Lord's temple being the house of prayer or worship, the house of prayer and worship. All of these things stood in the way, created a gap that no longer allowed that, those things that took place in the temple to be the gap stander. The temple was the center of life for the Jewish people. Everything took place. It was at the temple that all of the Jewish sacrifices took place, and especially the annual sacrifice of atonement on the Day of Atonement. It had in its center a, 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 a place called the Holy Place, and even in the center of that Holy Place was another room called the Holy of Holies. And it was in the Holy of Holies that the Ark of the Covenant was kept and and it was placed there. And it was in that room covered by a massive curtain called the veil that the presence of the Lord resided in that holy of holy place behind that massive curtain. When Jesus died on the cross, everything changed in regards to that physical temple building. Jesus Christ, he was the ultimate sacrifice for our atonement, for the atonement of sins, for all mankind, for all time. And he not only, basically in his death, he not only made the regular sacrificial system obsolete, but in the rending or tearing of that curtain, massive, massive veil, in the rending or the tearing of that veil, he broke down the barrier that separated God and man. And now every human being had the opportunity to run into the presence of God. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 through 52, in the New Living Translation, then Jesus shouted out and he released his spirit. And at that moment, 
the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. He basically disrupted every temple practice. He, uh, he made obsolete every temple practice. He made, in fact, the very building obsolete of no use whatsoever. That physical building with all of its <coughs> trappings and all of its accoutrements became useless and obsolete. But the death of Jesus Christ did something amazing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ did something spectacular. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ did something that was nothing short of miraculous. And we hear about this miraculous thing that I'm talking about written to a letter to the church of Corinth by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16 where he said this statement, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you and me? See, the building was no longer important to this spiritual picture. You and I now became the temple of God. And inside of this temple resides the holy presence of God. We have, if you will, been spiritually made the holy of holies. It was at the temple where the priest would reach to heaven, to the biblical things, and then reach to earth to do the sacrifice, to help make a connection, to stand in the gap so that people could have a restored relationship with God. But on that day of Jesus' crucifixion, that was over. That stopped. And now you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are the temple of God with the Spirit of God living on the inside of us. This now becomes the house of God. You are the house of God. You are the temple of God. You are the place of restoration. You are that which bridges the gap between God and man. That's you and I. That's number three on your paper. <clears throat> Believers in Jesus Christ are the temple where the Spirit of God resides. As believers, we became the conduit for reconciliation. We become the catalyst for restoration. We become the gap standers reaching to heaven with one hand and to earth with the other, helping people find a connection to God. That is our task here on planet Earth. Your task on planet Earth isn't to carry the label, I am Christian, see me sleep. In church every Sunday, doing all the things I'm supposed to do, but are you a gap stander? The Lord said, I looked for one person to be a gap stander, and I couldn't find anyone. So, if you and I are now the house of prayer, and we are the house of worship, then what has happened to what is the heart of our table, the table of our heart, excuse me, so cluttered with and so filled with that the Lord would look at it and say, your religion is nothing more than a den of thieves. What you have done is you've taken this house of worship, this house of prayer, this house of reconciliation, this house of restoration, and you've filled the table of your heart with so many things, there's not even room for me, <coughs> and you got Nothing now but a den of thieves. Because the opposite of the house of prayer was a den 
of thieves. So, over here on this table, there is no grill. Scared me there for a minute. I knew the Holy Spirit was behind me, but I didn't know. (laughs) The items on this table represent three things that clutter our lives, that clutter the table of our heart, and cause us to no longer be the gap standard but the gap, that cause us to no longer be the house of prayer but a den of thieves. And the first and most deadly thing, and this is number four on your paper, the first and most deadly thing that clutters the table of our heart is sin. There's some items here on this table that would represent that. Oh my, a cell phone, huh? There's a big uh, element of sin in our life. People that are connected to pornography and, or to gossip book or deface book or whatever you want to call it. You know, there, there's, or the computer. How about the computer? You know, there's some things on here that are elements of sin in our life. And we've got to get that out. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So one of the first items of three that I want to discuss that we find on the table of our heart is just out and out sin. And I'm not here to define that. That's defined in the Word of God, and that's between you and the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit convicts your heart of sin and wrong, You need to respond to that because what he's saying is, hey, your heart's a den of thieves. It's not a house of worship right now. You're the gap. You can no longer reach to heaven with this in your heart and reach to earth and hope to make some reconciliation until you get this cleared. The second thing that you might find on this table, and especially in the table of our heart, and this is number five on your paper, and that is screwed up priorities. Screwed up priorities. Uh, sports. Sorry, John. Screwed up priorities, things that get in the way. People who say, I don't like my wife too much, but I sure like to go to the golf course. All right, I won't just stay there. Soccer. How about, how about all your soccer families that would be happy to keep your kids away from God just to go to another game? Ooh, I better move on. That was an ouchie. That was an ouchie. Screwed up priorities. Now, you need to keep in mind there's no, there's no sin here. It's just a screwed up priority. There's no, there's no sin here, John. And I'm not, I'm, only, I'm not picking on John because like him and I had a private counseling meeting this week and his life's falling apart because he sleeps with his golf bag. <laughs> I just made that up, you all. <laughs> his wife's like, my name is Audrey and I'm not a golf bag. Thank you very much. <laughs> I just say that because, you know, he's one of the most avid golfers that I have in my life, and he's a good friend, and he has it in the right priority, y'all, okay? Wink, wink. Anyway, (laughs) so there's no sin here. It just becomes sin when it gets out of 
the right place. Then it becomes an element that causes your heart to become a den of thieves, which keeps you from being able to worship God. Priorities. You know what this represents? My wood shop. Sorry, all you woodworkers, crafters. I've had times where the, the Spirit of God has convicted my heart to say, you got that in the wrong place, Rick. Going out to the shop instead of reading your Bible turns the house of prayer into a den of thieves. Keeps me, causes me to become the gap instead of the gap stander. The third thing, so you got sin represented on this table, you know, computer and, and other things. You got screwed up priorities uh, sitting on this table. This one, by the way, for screwed up priorities represents business. This is a day planner. Sometimes our jobs, our businesses uh, take the place of God and we have no problem missing out on the things of God just to make an extra dollar. But the third thing, uh, and this is number six on your paper, that causes the table of our heart to become a den of thieves is scars. So you have sin, screwed up priorities, and scars. And all of us have those things. Those wounds from the past that we are still dealing with, that we're still holding on to, and they, they become a den of thieves when they fill our hearts and they cause us to be the gap instead of the gap standard. And we've already recognized through the scripture that you and I are the gap standards. We are the ministers of reconciliation. We are the temple of God. We are the house of worship. Would the Lord look at any one of us and say, my house is called to be a house of worship, but you've made it a den of thieves. No, get rid of it. I warned my mom before I was bringing her in. Mom, I'm going to turn this table over today, and I know you can't see it, and I want you to freak out when I do it. And she says, have you lost your mind or something? Some... <laughs> That's what worship looks like. Right there. You want to worship? Flip the table of your heart over and get all of those things out of the way. Get them out of the way. We need to get anything out of the way that stands in the way of God. We need to make room for the communion with God. If that table of our heart is so filled with all of those things, sin, screwed up priorities, and scars. I don't even have a place to worship God because my heart is nothing more than a table, a den of thieves. Den of thieves. We need to make room. We need to get the things in order so that we can effectively reach to heaven with one hand and down to earth with the other and be the gap standard that helps people find reconciliation, that helps people find restoration and a restored relationship with God. Can you say amen? amen. There's only, now let me, let me show you another aspect of worship.
No, I'm not playing soccer. Is there anything on my table, Lord, that you hate? Because I hate it too. Is there anything on the table of my heart, Lord, that you would look at and say, you've made my house a den of thieves, because if so, I want it gone, I want it gone, I want it gone. Some of us need to empty, clear the table today. Some of us need to flip the table today. Because all that stuff down there, that's nothing but garbage, man. That's nothing but refuse when it's all said and done in the grand scheme of eternity. Up here on this table, it looked like nothing more than a garage sale. There's only one thing that belongs on that table, Jim. The only thing that belongs on that table is we need to have Jesus Christ. Where is he going? I had this all worked out before I even started. Come on, hurry, come on, brother. I thought he was going to have it with him. There's only one thing that belongs on this table. Thank you, Jim. You're awesome. Sorry to give you a hard time. You want to know what holiness looks like? That's what holiness looks like. Right there. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28, is the story of Jesus meeting with his disciples to get ready to have, to uh, celebrate the Passover with them, basically to have what we call the Last Supper, or in some faiths, Eucharist. And it's in uh, the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew, verses 26 through 28, where it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and he broke it, and he said, This is my body, take eat. And then he took the cup, and he said, this is the blood, my blood, of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This, and this, bridging the gap so that someone here in desperate need can connect with God, is helping them have communion with the Lord, restored relationship with the Lord, but there are so many things on the table of our heart that keep that from happening and cause us to be the gap. The bread, the wine, it represents the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what a holy heart looks like. Does your heart look that way? Or does it look like it did a few minutes ago? In closing this morning, Steve, if you just kind of move some of that stuff out of the, the way this morning. 
I do have a video I'm going to show you in a minute, but the praise team can go ahead. Did you send a note to everybody else? Good. And get ready. Because interestingly enough, they had another song planned. I did not feel inclined at the moment. I feel by the impression of the Holy Spirit not to have them sing that song, but to save it, to do here at the end, only to find out in the beginning of my sermon that the song they had set aside was written by the author of this message, Zach Neese. Now, I've done my very best to make this message my message today, but I want to again tell you that the inspiration from it came. I did not sit in my living room and just come up with all this on my own. It came from a message that I saw by Zach Neese. But this is what we need to do in order to be the gap standard. We have to overturn the table of our heart. We have to overturn the sin that is in it. we got to clear the table of our heart from the clutter of screwed up priorities. We have to overturn the table of our heart when scars of the past are overwhelming it. We have to do that. And in place of those three things, we need to make Jesus the center of our heart. I tell you, when I first saw this particular illustration in that sermon, I so related to what the table looked like before. And I wondered if I related to what it looked like now. And that was moving to me. Broke my heart in many respects. But I'll tell you right now, if we can ensure that we can do our very best to keep the table looking like this, that we will be the gap stander instead of the gap. If you can believe that and receive that this morning, would you give the Lord a praise in the house of God? I'm going to invite our altar ministry team forward and a couple of elders, please. To my left and to my right. We normally do this during worship, but I felt inclined <coughs> to have us do it at this point. I have a other, they're probably coming along. They were back there partying with Jim, probably. Oh, it's, I'm just, just kidding. It's all good. Um, it is my hope and my prayer that this message and the visual illustration will cause you to reflect. Reflect 